Folks, just like the NHL season is finally here, so too is Winnipeg Jet Brad Lambert. Now, Lambert might not be with the Jets right now, but having signed his entry-level contract with an average annual value of $1.2 million, obviously Winnipeg sees a lot of value in this kid, and it won't be long before Lambert joins the Jets. We'll talk about his timeline for development and also talk about Winnipeg's opening game against the New York Rangers on Friday. All coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's episode, obviously, like I said, it is Brad Lambert season, and that is pretty darn exciting if you're a Jets fan. Look, let's be real, folks. It's been a while since you and I have had something to really be excited about. Um, obviously, Cole Perfetti is one of those those rare moments, and you know the, the, the changeover in the regime a little bit for the coaching staff was also decently exciting, but Lambert has this explosiveness and just this natural superstar, I guess, air about him, right? Perfetti is a little more understated, but when you watch Lambert, the first thing that you just see with him is effortless skating, a constantly explosive, um, hardworking engine. I mean, the kid is just dyna- dynamic and, and super fun to watch. I mean, he's probably one of the most entertaining skaters the Jets have picked up in a draft or, uh, well, in any format for you know, multiple seasons. I think Perfetti, you know, might have uh, the, the higher spatial awareness that, you know, mythical hockey IQ. In fact, you know, there's a good chance Perfetti might be maybe the, the smartest player in the league. But in terms of like raw explosiveness and action, Lambert is just one of those kids that's going to hit the ice and immediately do something that really impresses you. Kind of like Zegris or Nick Ehlers, any of those guys, I, I think, are uh, pretty pretty fun to watch, and Lambert really fits that mold. But of course, with Brad coming into camp, there was a big question about uh, what level of hockey would he really be suited to because he'd been playing pro in Finland. That hadn't really worked out. Uh, Lati just really didn't seem like the place for him. He was struggling mightily. A lot of his off-the-puck decisions weren't looking great, and he lacked confidence. And so you know, at first we were like, well, maybe the WHL makes sense. Maybe he'll go to Seattle. And he comes to Winnipeg and immediately starts to impress. Uh, the first camp that he really had a chance to show off is Penticton. And at the Young Stars Classic, he immediately looked like he was ready for something a little more advanced than just WHL hockey. So uh, obviously signing this ELC is a big deal. Him already having been sent to the Moose after surviving uh, quite a few initial roster cuts to the Jets really is bad news for the the Thunderbirds and great news for the Moose. Um, I think he'll spend most of the year with Manitoba, but 
after this season, I would not be surprised if he's with the big club next year uh, in a full-time roster spot. I believe his performance bonuses really start to kick in in year two of his contract and continue on from there. So it seems like Winnipeg very much thinks this year is kind of, you know, the first season that Lambert is getting used to North American ice. And really, when you watch him, it's not so much that he has to get used to it. I think he's already very comfortable in a lot of areas. His skill naturally takes over. So for him, it's kind of just working on some consistency, uh, developing his game and kind of figuring out how to play at the pro level. That's pretty high with the moose. But uh, one thing I did think was probably going to be an area of focus is working on his stamina because he burned a lot of energy during camp. He burned a lot of energy during preseason. And towards the end of that stay, you kind of saw him wear down a little bit. You could tell maybe some of his shifts he was dragging a little more. And like he's what, like 18, right? So even with the uh, the amount of physical development that he has, when you're you're that young, you're not used to practices and, and game states that are as physically rigorous and demanding as the NHL is, you know, your your youth is going to really show. And I think Lambert held up really well. I think he showed some amazing potential. And I think he's really close to the NHL. There's just a couple parts of his game that I think Winnipeg uh, might want to polish out first. And then I think he'll be up with the big club in a full-time role. So uh, don't expect him to stay down with Manitoba for more than a season. I think next year is his big coming out party. But, you know, the main thing the Jets are going to have to figure out this year is if he starts raking it in and if he really just sort of dominates with the moose and, you know, shows some some physical development, maybe he gets a call up at some point. He is likely to be an injury replacement for somebody if a major attacker goes down. I would not be surprised if he's like one of the first guys called up because he has that natural explosiveness. He's already shown us that he can hang with the big kids. There's a lot to like in this game, and I think the Jets can really use his skill set as soon as the season. So uh, Brad has a lot of open doors, more so than most other prospects. It's just a, a matter of, you know, feeling out when he's ready for this role, when he's at a, a physical state where he can really keep up on a consistent basis and get used to the rigors of, of, of pro-level hockey in North America. But I think, like I said, he's really close, um, and he will play with the Jets this season. Maybe towards the end of the year, he's going to get a nine-game audition no matter what. I'm almost certain of that. But it's just a question of the timing of it and how the Jets might parlay it into something like maybe an extended stay for the playoffs. If the Jets somehow actually make it into the postseason picture, well, Lambert could really figure into that role and maybe be one of Winnipeg's um, big aces in the sleeve, uh, a really young, talented black ace rookie who could have a major impact on Winnipeg's postseason run and um, maybe even worth burning an ELC year for. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, like I said, I don't think the, the wait's going to be too long here, although any game that doesn't have Brad Lambert, in my opinion, is already a little less interesting. Uh, he's just so naturally magnetic. And if you're a Moose season ticket holder or you're going to see the Moose this year, you are beyond blessed because you're going to get to watch a dynamite, dynamite player as long as he stays healthy. But of course, the actual Jets are are prepping for some pretty big stuff coming up on Friday. That is, of course, their start of the season. And we'll talk about the Rangers because this is a team that, uh, if you're off, if you're asking for like a really big season opener matchup, the Jets have been handled a have been handed a pretty difficult first assignment for 
the season at home opener. So we'll talk about the Rangers and what I expect Winnipeg to be capable of and what they should look out for in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all things football and all the betting info you need this season, whether you're looking for college football or professional-level NFL stuff. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis, and articles that you can shake a stick at. I mean, no matter, no matter what you're looking for, BetOnline.net has it all covered. And if you're looking for other sports, no problem. Right now, of course, is MLB playoff time. It's uh, October for a lot of you baseball fans. They've got tons of betting info for baseball. They've got even, you know, future stuff. If you're not thinking about this season, maybe you're like me, an Orioles fan, and it's already next year. Although I think most of you are Jays fans. Welcome to the suck. We're all in this together now. Uh, But, you know, if you're looking for futures or other sports like MMA, boxing, golf, no matter your interest, BetOnline has you covered, and they also have Vegas Casino games for those of you who might be looking for something not as sporty. Getting started really can be easier. Just register for a free account on your laptop or mobile device by heading to BetOnline.net right now, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are taking a look now at Winnipeg heading into the start of the regular season. We've talked about the Jets lines uh, and my own personal concerns about it. A lot of you have left comments suggesting some some similar thoughts about maybe Winnipeg not really having enough punch up top and, and maybe some defensive issues. I've seen a lot of people saying, well, the Jets defense needs to get bigger. I, I don't really think that's necessarily the case. Uh, size is only really valuable if you know how to use it. And with the Jets, it usually just gets them into more trouble. So um, I think Winnipeg needs to figure out at some point that it's not a defensive-oriented team. This isn't a squad that's going to have a blue line that's resolute. And I think that's especially important against a team like New York because the Rangers have like a ton of amazing top six weapons to dissect you, whether it's at even strength or on the power play. Now, I think specifically... That 5v4 situation I was just mentioning is New York's bread and butter. There are a number of danger men who aren't going to be super shocking if you if you hear these names, but these are the players the Jets are going to have to really deal with. It's going to be Kreider, Zibanejad, and Panarin. Now, Fox, to a lesser extent, is you know maybe the, the straw that kind of stirs the drink, but you're looking at three elite goal scorers and an elite power play quarterback with some really great complementary pieces in other lines, like, say, Vincent Trocek, uh, Goudreau to a lesser extent. Um, Barclay Goudreau is pretty okay, but I, I think you're looking at a lot of top-end players. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov eventually hoping to come into his own. Uh, there's just a lot of talent here. And, you know, it, it's crazy when you look at this team and you see Alexis Lafreniere kind of being overshadowed so far, but, you know, he, he's still a dangerous and very skilled player. Capo Caco still kind of ironing out the kinks and working on his game, but Obviously, the the primary attacker for this team that's been the focal point of their offense kind of comes down to Zibanejad. I think as Zibanejad goes, so does this team. Mika is a phenomenal goal scorer, and I think for a long time he was very underappreciated when he was with Ottawa. And you know the Sens kind of made a really big mistake. What was it? The uh, the Broussard trade. Now you can understand why Ottawa wanted to move Zibanejad. They didn't see a future in signing him long term. He probably wanted a change of scenery, and so they felt that was 
a deal of opportunity. But it's obvious that Zabanajad has evolved into this elite offensive center. And while he may not be uh, the full franchise first liner that you might expect walking into a team like this, he still is really friggin' good at his job. And on that power play and on special teams in general, Zabanajad's just lethal. The other night against the um, the Lightning, he scored a beautiful shorty. He had a great one-timer on the power play. No matter what it is that you ask of him, Mika's just there. And when you toss in guys like Panarin and then Kreider, who has uh, or had one of the best seasons of his career last year, this is a team that you just cannot afford to give any sort of room to. Um, but one of the biggest reasons that the Rangers are going to be especially painful for the Jets to deal with is Igor Shesterkin. Uh, Shesterkin is like super, super good. Uh, if you're looking for the next generation of goalies, Shesterkin has to be like towards the top of this list, headlining this brand new crop. Ottinger is definitely there with him, like lockstep. You have a ruthless twosome right there. Uh, obviously, there's some other really good players like Sorokin and a few other goalies that are starting to come into their own. But Shesterkin arguably might sit at the top. I think he and Ottinger are like, it's really hard to discern the two, um, which which one is better or if they're just about the same. But either way, you have a, a clear future franchise goalie and a guy who's playing at a franchise level right now. And you factor that into an extremely dangerous blue line with guys like Keandre Miller, uh, Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba. I mean, this team, look, the Rangers have some serious defensive issues if you start to pressure them offensively, but make no mistake. If the Jets start taking penalties, Winnipeg is toast. This PK is not going to survive. You think about how good the Lightning are, and they got roasted. I mean, that PK unit for them got cooked badly. Uh, the only reason that that scoreline wasn't worse off for uh, Tampa Bay was that Vasilevsky was robbing multiple chances, but, you know, Kreider sits right in front of the goal. He was slapping pucks left and right, very nearly scoring on, scoring on two or three opportunities. This just isn't a team that Winnipeg is really going to be able to have any margin of error for. So uh, can't say I'm super optimistic. I think Winnipeg will probably lose something like five to two or five to three. I just think the Rangers are a really strong team and Winnipeg is going to find it really hard to finish opportunities. But I want you to drop your score predictions down low in the comments. Let me know on social media as well at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Closing us out tonight, uh, I just wanted to run through some NHL action. I had a chance to watch um, in between. Obviously, we're still waiting for the Jets to kick off their season. Really stupid and annoying that we haven't even had a game yet. We have to wait for the rest of the league to play their games for some reason. Lord knows why, but... Uh, there are some interesting observations, and Kovacevic actually got his first game with the Montreal Canadiens. Talk a little bit about that, though I wasn't, I'll, I'll admit, I wasn't really like focused every shift on him, but you know, he played like 20 minutes. So it's always nice to see former Jets who maybe would never have had this chance to do this with Winnipeg getting that shot elsewhere. All coming up right after the break. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Just going to run through a little bit of NHL action that happened earlier today. Uh, this is the second for, like full day of NHL action that was uh, in the North American side. Obviously, they played some games, I think, in like, the Czech Republic, but you know, I'm not really going to count that right now. Uh, as far as like the important games of what we're actually focused on, you know, there were some fun things for the Western Conference to keep an eye on. 
Vancouver and Edmonton played a very scrappy, very high intensity game. The Oilers ended up winning five to three, but the Canucks really gave them a run for their money. And Vancouver arguably had a couple of a uh, couple of questionable calls made against them, some goals that maybe shouldn't have happened for the Oilers. And Edmonton will probably feel that the Canucks got away with lots of restraining and stuff, which is kind of normal for both teams. But in the end, McDavid ended up scoring a hat trick. And sometimes that extra level of skill is what has carried Edmonton through and through. And it looks like that's going to be the case again. As far as Vancouver is concerned, their special teams were a disaster. Their power play went like one for eight, and that's partly because they killed some of their own power plays, taking, uh, you know, offensive zone penalties or whatever that was just silly. And Edmonton's power play was three for four. So you can kind of tell where the Oilers were getting a lot of their bread and butter from. They took advantage of Canucks mistakes, and that's all she wrote. Now, other teams uh, that are Canadian relevant, we had Toronto facing off against Montreal. Montreal ended up winning four to three. This one, a last gasp uh, mistake from Jake Muzzin, turning into a goal against for Matt Murray, who did not look particularly great for uh, Toronto. The Leafs are going to have some adjustments to make, I think, especially defensively. You know, Sheldon Keefe said stuff was like unacceptable, which is really funny for the first game of the season. But, you know, the Canadians were expected to be bad. Um, I think they were fun to watch. Uh, Kovacevic is going to apparently play a pretty pivotal role on that right side. He had like 19 and a half minutes in his very first game, which is pretty intense. I think Kovi is going to be, you know, a bigger, slower defender who I thought had a, you know, a fine enough game. But if you're projecting like second pairing or first pairing potential, probably want to tamp down on that a little bit. But I think for what the Habs need, which is a, a mobile um, rangy defender with a nice solid shot and decent passing. I think he'll he'll do nicely, and he was all at the price of a waiver claim. So you really can't complain. You get what you pay for, and I think Kovacevic is going to be at least a decent ad for the Habs in his first game, but you know, it's just the first game. Let's slow down and uh, see how he pans out, but on a personal level, I'm just really happy for him. He has worked very hard for the Jets org, and now he gets a chance to prove elsewhere that he deserves an actually pretty decent-sized spot. Now, running through the rest of the games, Boston ended up win, uh, winning against Washington 5-2, to two, which is kind of funny because the Bruins are getting older, and people probably thought they were going to take a step back offensively after losing Marchand. I expect against other teams they'll prob- probably be noticeable, but you know the, the Caps are still figuring out some things with younger players, getting used to some of the new additions. So, you know, first game of the season, we'll see how they iron out the kinks and uh, see when Ovi will start scoring mad goals again. Uh, we also had Columbus facing off against Carolina. Patrick Laine, another former Jet, of course, uh, pledged to donate $1,000 for every goal he scored. He scored a beautiful first goal um, early in the game, and then I think he got sidelined for at least part of it after taking a hit from Paul Stastny, injured one of his arms, um, and I don't know if he came back. But uh, Carolina ended up winning 4-1, to one, so... Yeah, Columbus still <laughs> still in the rebuilding state, and I don't always understand what Yarmo Kekalainen's plan is, but at least they try things. Uh, maybe not the debut for Johnny Goudreau he was hoping for, but I'm sure he'll start to settle in and feel at home soon enough. Last couple of games we had, Colorado versus Chicago. Chicago got pasted, uh, lost 2-5. to five. The Avs just sort of ran over them. You really kind of know what you're getting with that, right? Not surprising. The final game, though, Anaheim versus Seattle. Seattle had a really strong effort and still lost in overtime 5-4 to four, thanks to 
uh, a really impressive solo effort from Troy Terry. And, you know, the Kraken didn't really get great goaltending from Grubauer and uh, ended up falling after just pummeling the slot and hitting Anaheim on counters. But, you know, that finishing ability sometimes might be a little bit questionable. And John Gibson stood tall for all of those shots against that Seattle just kind of poured on him. They think the Ducks might be trying to kill uh, Gibson. Let's hope not. And that he has a full season because he looks like he's going to have a lot of work. But uh, we have a full slate of games tomorrow. So we'll have some more thoughts as those games end and roll in. But uh, hopefully this will give you just a cursory glance at some of the Western teams that we're keeping an eye on. I think the Pacific is going to be a really fun division this year. The Central is going to be, I don't know, a hot mess in my opinion. But we'll know soon enough as uh, some of our rivals will be playing tomorrow, including the Minnesota Wild taking on the New York Rangers. But for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday. You can follow them on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, same ones we're available on. And again, as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.